You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Kay Murray, Craig Burley and Stevie Nichol here in the studio to look back on the FA Cup action we've seen from the third round and the big boys coming into the fray in the competition, including Tottenham and Burnley. It was a 1-0 win for Spurs, even though there had been a couple of chances in the first half that Richarlison couldn't convert. In the end, it was an absolute belter of a goal from Pedro Porro that sealed the deal in the 78th minute and sent Spurs through to the fourth round of the competition. Let's welcome in Nader Manua, who was pitched at this game today, also Frank LeBoff. Let me start, Nadem, by saying what a goal that was. What was the reaction in the stadium? Yeah, people were celebrating that, and I think realistically it was one of those games which didn't really sh give us the best sort of like showing off Spurs. So for Porro to strike a ball as cleanly as that, and we were right behind it from where we were sitting, an absolutely incredible strike. I think obviously Burnley will be disappointed because it came from one of their turnovers, but that's what Porro can do. He has that quality. That's why he takes those set pieces. It was a fantastic strike and, you know, very much uh, the bright spark in what was overall quite a dull game, I'd say. They got the win, Craig, but it didn't come by easy. No, it wasn't easy and, and you know, for regular viewers of the show, we'll know. And I don't think it's just me, but I'm talking about myself. Dan thinks I'm some sort of Ange Postacoglu love fest, but <laughs> I just think there's been, you know, we, we, we've watched Tottenham over the last, I don't know, two or three years. Let's just narrow it down to that. And we've come in here and we've sort of whined and moaned about Conte and about Mourinho and about, oh my God, Tottenham are terrible to watch. And they've been the complete opposite this year. Uh, it's been so entertaining. And this tonight wasn't one of them. Probably one of their most sloppier performances. Now, I know they're missing some players, but they're going to have to, to handle that. So it wasn't, wasn't a great uh, showing from them in terms of the way they've passed it. You know, Kulisevsky passing the ball out the field when it's a simple pass. Brennan Johnson... Overrunning it, uh, overrunning it when he's when he's running down the wing, Richarlison whiffing at headers and the weak finishes we saw in the highlights. So, but as Postecoglou said in his post his post match interviews, hey, it's the cup, and we won. We're in the next round. They played all right at Fulham in the Carabao Cup. They got put out, and he got a bit of stick for that. So, it is what it is. Three po uh, three points into the next round, but it, but it wasn't that kind of slick. Tottenham edge of your seat performance that we've kind of become accustomed. And he put out a much stronger squad, to be fair, in this cup game than he did in that EFL cup game. It wasn't a bad team in the right. EFL cup, but that, that, that just it, it was missing something tonight, apart from that finish from Pedro Porro. It's missing a goal scorer. I mean, you know, the, all the questions when Son left was who's going to put the ball in the back of the net? Who's going to pick up on what he's not going to be able to deliver? And the truth is, we don't have an answer to that. Because Richarlison's not a goal scorer. We, you know, if ever there was a game that showed that, it was tonight. The two we showed in the first half on his left-hand side, pretty weak both attempts, and then he's whiffing on a, on a header. So, you know, I guess if you're Postacoglu, you're delighted you're through tonight. But at the same time, they should have made this easier, and they would have done if they'd had somebody up front who actually is a goal scorer. But he has he's just been, been scoring in his recent games. He's been games. in not bad form. Well, but, that, but that's, that's the point. You've form. just said, well, he bet he was. Well, because before, before that little spell he had, it was barren. And that's the problem with Richarlison. You know, his, his record with Tottenham 
is one in four. Now, you ain't winning anything if your centre forward is one in four. Particularly when your two wide guys are really not there to score goals. This isn't Salah. <laughs> this isn't Salah and Manny of a couple of years ago in the what, wide hey, areas. I tell you what, I, I ain't doing it's, the, it's Johnson and Kulisevsky, so who's going to I, score? I'm not doing this show. I'm going to walk out this studio, right? If he doesn't if he doesn't make this chair go higher, I'm, gonna, I'm not doing the rest of the show. I can't do that low. We've already done this one before. Yeah. We're not all lowering our chairs again for this. I can't, I can't do the rest of the show if it's sat down. <laughs> All right, let me go to Frank while you two decide what's going on between you because Frank Hyunmin Son has said that when Harry, <laughs> when Harry Kane used to be around and when he would be absent, say, through injury, he knew he felt that he had to step up. He knew what that felt like and he has urged his fellow forwards to do that in his absence and they're going to have to and tonight wasn't the best example of that. No, of course it's not. And I agree with TV. Uh, uh, Richard Edison is not a striker. And I can't believe that uh, that guy is a striker of the national team of Brazil. When we used to talk about Romario, Ronaldo, and so many talented uh, performance uh, strikers, and we're far away from there. It's sad in a way because, uh, as the guy mentioned, you know, we're talking about Spurs and, uh, and how they play football and the chance they created. But if you have nobody to finish it, it becomes an issue. And it was the case today. I didn't enjoy the game. I enjoyed the goal. It was a little bit uh, of a light in, uh, in the darkness of uh, the worst for me from, from Spurs. Because, you know, it's crazy. And it's uh, strange for me that they normally play like it's, an, it's a cup game. Every time they play in the Premier League, they play like it's a cup game. And when they have a cup game tie, they play like they used to play before, very slow very tactically posed, you know, and they, they don't know really what to do. They don't put any pace in the game. That was everything but a cup game today. Yeah, they're happy to go through. Let's see what's going on thereafter. But yeah, some players have to come back and uh, make sure that they can help uh, Richarlison to finally score goals. Uh, just in real time, we were talking about the goal that did come and who was at fault for it? Because I remember when it came to the highlight, what, what are your thoughts on that, Stevie? Well, the goalkeeper's just trying to get on with the game. Clearly, not sure who it was, but you can't afford to turn the ball over 35 yards from your own goal. Uh, and you certainly can't afford to do it against a guy with this sort of quality. And nobody else from... Look, they're all backing off. Nobody from Burnley steps out to close him down either. So, listen, it's a fantastic finish. But, as always, it could have been avoided Kay. with some... A, better defending and a better first touch. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, the thing I don't understand is Vincent Company said before the game that he came for a draw and to, to get a draw, to get a replay and maybe have a chance when they play at home. And why the goalkeeper is rushing where you are like five, ten minutes before the end of the game, he tries to play the counter-attack, you lose the ball, bye-bye, goal against you, bye-bye, you go home with nothing. I don't get it. Maybe he didn't get the same information that I got before the game. And we came for a draw. So you are five minutes, ten minutes before the end of the game. You keep the ball. You don't try anything silly. You don't have that, the talent for that. You don't have the players for that. Just get the draw and hope for a, uh, a replay. He put his, it was Amdouni, the player that lost it, but he put him in a little bit of a position, but he was, he was definitely unaware. And look, none of this would happen if Pedro Porro didn't read it. So, fair play to him. Not only was the strike great, but he read, he read the throw-in. He was quick. He, he won the ball back. And the rest, the rest is history. 
uh, without sort of playing the blame game between the two. I, I think going back to the Tottenham performance, you've got to at least give Burnley some credit for the shape. I mean, they're going to have a long old slog to the end of the season to try and stay up, right? Uh, and he might have to, as we mentioned during the live show of this game, he might have to just revisit his philosophies a little bit to make themselves a little bit more difficult to beat. And we saw that tonight. We saw how they were difficult to play through and there wasn't a lot of space between the midfield and the back four. And actually, you can look at it two ways. Tottenham weren't great, but it's actually some of the most frustrated I've seen Tottenham this season. And so a little bit of that has to go to the way Burnley set up. Yeah, it wasn't a great game, but I think even Vincent Company, who thinks, oh, I want to play this great football that we played in the Championship, if you've watched Tottenham this season, if you play that kind of football, particularly at the London Stadium against them, you're probably going to lose, or you're certainly going to give up a heart full of chances, which really and truly, you know, Burnley didn't do tonight in this game. Nadem, just a response to, to this and what Frank was saying as well about the goal and about who was at fault. No, I, um, I think that obviously it's a mistake. It's the turnover. It's 35 yards out. I think I'm doing it as uh, Stevie said there. I think you need to trust him to be able to sort of manage that situation and, you know, at least maybe win a free kick or something if the counter-attack's not on. But I think in the context of the game at that point, I think that was Burnley's best spell. I think for the 10, 15 minutes previous, they were doing well. They were moving the ball well. They were switching the play well. They are getting quite a few attacks down the left-hand side. So the goal is decided, you know, this is the right time to do it. And for me, I've got no concern with the goal deciding to do that. I just hope that maybe the, the player who receives the ball wouldn't turn it over so cheaply. And from there, they're caught in transition. And, yeah, I'm with, I'm with the guys. Somebody needs to come out and try and stop the shot. But, again, to reference a point which was mentioned, um, I think, in the, in the interviews afterwards, like, this is the second time that Spurs have played against Burnley. And the first time Spurs played against Burnley, I think it was at Burnley Stadium, and Spurs battered them. And then today, the game wasn't the best of games. And I think a lot of that was to do with the way that Burnley did set up. I think, that yes, there were times when they played out from the back. But it wasn't a case where they did it all the time. And I think company himself knows that his team are learning to manage games in a slightly different way. And it's not leading to results at this moment in time. But he's making them harder to beat. You know, we saw this against Aston Villa recently, which is, you know, going to Villa Park is a tough place to go. You can see the slight evolution of his side, but there's a difference between being there and being close to be there. And there were so many times in that, in that second half in particular where it's the final pass. You know, it's just the pass to the right person at the right, the right moment. They're not quite there, but I think they are evolving, they're adapting, and I expect them to be better in the second half of the season because he knows himself, and I think the players start to realise that, you know, you have to be hard to beat first before you start doing any sort of, like, fancy football for 90 minutes straight. To add to Nadam's point there, Burnley have obviously already played them in the Premier League this season. Second time around, the team's going to be doing better against Spurs, knowing what to expect from Ange's team. Oh, I think there's going to be a different approach. For so is that a concern for Tottenham? Uh, only a concern if they don't find a way around it. You know, you mm. go and ask the teams that have been at the top, like Liverpool, Arsenal, particularly Liverpool and City, who faced this, you know, home and away for, for a lot, for, I don't know, 70, 80% of games, having to find a way to break teams down. And I think whilst Tottenham are not quite at that level, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely, they have earned the respect that teams uh, are going to have to approach them a little bit differently than, than they did. Don't forget when, you know, only a year ago, even the worst teams in the Premier League would go to Tottenham's ground and probably have 60% possession. Mm. We'd probably dominate them and we'd come in here and go, <laughs> Tottenham are absolutely crap to watch. How boring was that? 
the whole philosophy has changed. The whole way they do it has changed. And so, yeah, the Liverpools and the, and the Arsenals and the Cities, it'll be a tough for toe. We've seen that this season. My God, it was exciting. The other sides, when they go away, they're going to treat Tottenham a lot differently, sit a lot deeper and try and deny that space. The, the key for Tottenham, this time, the second time around, is how they defend behind the ball. Because going forward, we know they can create. We talked about, you know, if Son's there, then we know where the goals are coming from. But the key for them is how they defend when the ball's turned over. That's the biggest problem. I would suggest right now, even right now, when they do turn it over, they're still far too open. And when you're playing with two full-backs as your centre-backs, you're asking for trouble. So that, that's the key for them. When they're going forward, how do they defend? Positionally, with their defenders. Well, they've got Van de Ven coming back from a, a, pre huge, a pretty right. nasty hamstring problem. It was but pretty bad. I mean, there's all there's no good hamstrings, but there's there's, <laughs> there's 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 ones that are two or three weeks, and there's ones that are a nightmare. He was he was the latter, and I think the worry is that, uh, that Ben Davis has picked up some one sort in of, one out some sort of hamstring uh, issue. Uh, not as serious, I don't think. Far from it than, than Van de Ven, but then. How quickly do you put a player like that back in? Because you're pushing somebody with that problem. My God, it's one of it's one of them. I think don't think people realise when you if you have a cruciate, it's a terrible injury. But when it's better, it's better, right? And you've done your work and all that with the hamstring. It's just always in your head. You're thinking, what if I <laughs> can I do it? Can, and Van de Ven, for those that have watched Tottenham this year, he was great, but it was all about pace. It was about his recovery getting back in, so he's got some big decisions to make, Postacoglu, in terms of when he brings these players back, because psychologically with the hamstring, as Stevie said, it is a nightmare. Well, as you can see, Naden was at the game tonight. He's now outside of the stadium, but he did manage to catch up with his best mate, Vincent Company. Let's see how that went down. If you were to come out of retirement now, he's still 37 years of age. <laughs> As you see your team play, this is halfway through the season. Mm. Do you not think you could have some sort of impact with that team, especially with so many young players in it? When I see the opposition and how they're running, <laughs> I, I, I'm staying where I am. <laughs> and uh, No, but my, my impact is to, to teach them. To but, give you, but is there no level of like frustration or anything on the sideline? Because you've played for so long and the field is there. He it's was one only meter watching away. you on the sideline. It's one no, meter away. No, the, the only frustration I will have is, um, is if players perform below their natural standard. Um, other than that, I think I'm, I've, I've gone into this job to make players better. That's my passion and win football matches. But like last year, you win everything and, and then you're the king and then this year is more difficult, but this is maybe more valuable. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I love, go if I'm with good people, I'll go to war with anyone. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. Are you off out in London tonight with Nadem? Is he just off camera? <laughs> on these streets absolutely not this is a miracle that I'm still out here and all the equipment's here but yeah he's, it was good to speak to him and like I've seen him on the sideline like he's, he's 37 years of age you see in Thiago Silva's 39 and you see in a Burnley side where you know for as good as they can be and as good as they are you're not necessarily seeing two centre-backs who we've seen do really well in the Premier League historically that, like you must be so tempted to just come out of retirement just try and do a little bit but in fairness, he's sticking with his plan. He's trying to make those players better. But as he mentioned, though, the big thing is winning games. And right now, he hasn't got that. But I'm sure he's going to find a way. I like that attitude, though. It's like, you know, it, it, he's not... What he said there to Nedham, he's not expecting his defenders to be the Vincent Companies. Yep. Or anybody who played at that level because they're not 
and certainly not at this point, but they're unlikely to ever get there. And so he's not sitting there getting frustrated because they're not able to do what he did, but he understands what their limitations are and what their strengths are. And he's, he's basically saying, look, I'm comfortable if I think these guys are playing at 100% and if we get beat, we get beat. It's a learning process rather than saying, oh, they're not good, oh, they can't do this and they can't. Because there's an acceptance when you go down there to, to manage and come out of the championship, then what you've got is what you've got. And I, I think if you get frustrated by the fact that you're not dealing with players at Liverpool and City and and Arsenal and all this, then, then it's a little bit easier to understand. Uh, well, one defender who wasn't in the Spurs squad tonight was Eric Dyer, and there's been a lot of talk about where he could be heading off to next. Uh, apparently Bayern have agreed terms for the player. No final decision yet. Postacoglu was asked about it afterwards, after tonight's game. He said, I know absolutely zero. But when asked if he could afford to lose him, especially given Ben Davies picking up the injury that he just has, it was a straight yes from the Spurs manager as well. Stevie, what's that face for? I'm shocked that Bayern Munich are interested in Eric Dyer. That's what I know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a fall-off-the-chair moment, it's isn't it? It's is he going to play? Where's he going to play? How's he going to play? I mean, does he play ahead of a... Listen, Put Meccano hasn't been having the greatest of times, but if nothing else, he can run and he can recover. I mean, Eric Dyer can't run. And if you play him in the middle of the park, the argument is he can't get around sharp enough. Because teams are going to be... Teams generally are breaking on Bayern Munich. Generally, Bayern Munich are the team that dictate the game. So it's, it's about teams using their pace to get at Bayern Munich when the ball's turned over. None of that includes Eric Dyer as your defensive midfielder being able to cope with that. So that's why I was, I'm making the face. I'm like, why? It's quite telling when you have the defensive problems that he has and he's more than happy to allow Eric Dyer to go. I think it's been quite clear from the off that, that he does not fancy him. I don't think... He, and, I, and I think the, one of the main issues is, as Stevie touched on, is his lack of mobility. Right. So we potentially have here one of the titans of European football who have just had made a record signing in Harry Kane at the start of the season, club record, uh, fighting tooth and nail with Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, who, are, who are unbeaten in the Bundesliga. Then we move on to the Champions League, possibly bringing in a guy who hasn't played well for, I'm going to say, at least two or three years, right? Is mistake-ridden, is slow, is cumbersome, uh, and, and, and that's going to take Bayern <coughs> to the next level. I mean, it's, it's, if, we had, if they'd told us that he was going to Man United, we'd be going, nah, but that's... there's no way, there's no way he's making Man United <laughs> better. So how does he fit in at Bayern Munich? Frank, no other team takes him. Newcastle don't no. take him. Anybody Dundas. who's struggling at the moment just, just don't take him. No. Go on, Frank. Now, the, the, the thing is, why Bayern Munich would need a Spurs substitute to get better? That's the thing. Why do they need a Spurs substitute? Because that's the reality of the fact. You, when you come to Bayern Munich, it's because you are a top, top player. Eric Dyer is an international player. Of course, a good player. But as the guy mentioned, he has some issues right now. He has some problems that he cannot resolve. And he's why he's on the bench. So Bayern signing him are sending a message to Postikoglu, you're not a good coach. You didn't see the Dyer's talent. Well, 
I think Postecoglou saw everybody's talent and everybody's weaknesses, and he sees that every morning at the training session. And I don't understand that. Really, I'm what? very, as Stevie said, I'm very surprised. Well, one of the schools of thought is that, that, that Tuchel has moaned and groaned about uh, the midfield, mm -hmm. right? And, and somebody sitting in front of the back four. Now, there's a school of thought that Eric Dyer might be able to do that job, which he, by the way, has done on the odd occasion for Spurs, but not very well, it has to be said. Two reasons, a bit cumbersome on the ball and not the most mobile getting around. Now, Polino was a player that they were trying to bring in from Fulham. They were unsuccessful back in the summer. The one thing he can do, he can get himself around the field. He loves to make a tackle, sometimes yep. a bit rash. But he covers the full-backs, he, he tracks runs. This, if, Eric Dyer gets, <laughs> if Eric Dyer gets a move to Bayern Munich, right, after the period he's had, there's a chance for the rest of us. Taking your boots out. Uh, are you as baffled, Maiden? Um... Uh, to be fair, I, I'm not as hard on Dyer. You know, guys, listen, tell us what you think. But for me, <laughs> if he's going there, say, as a backup, then, you know, fair enough. Like, I, I don't know how this is going to work. I think Postacoglu has a particular style, and he's looking for a certain type of player to play that style at the back, midfield, wherever. And as a consequence, there could be so many players that fall out of fashion with the manager because he just, just doesn't see them as that. It doesn't necessarily, for me, mean that you're a bad player. It just means that it doesn't suit his eye. And when we look at him going to Bayern Munich now, I think there has to be something there because Kane's played with him. Tuchel's seen him in the same league as him. So he sees that there's something there which he likes for Bayern Munich. And I don't think it necessarily raises their ceiling, but perhaps it raises their floor and gives them a sort of sense, well, if this happens, then this is what we'll go to. And, you know, most of us don't see him being you know, the difference maker for Bayern Munich. But maybe that's because he doesn't have to be. And I think if he can offer some sort of competition and he can, you know, try and find some of his best football again, then I think he'll offer some value to them for as long as he is there. But Boy, again, I didn't anticipate uh, Eric there. Go on, go on, Frank. It, it, it's how much? 50 million? Five. Transfer? <laughs> Fifth. Yeah, well. Five. Wow. <laughs> Less and you don't five. need to make a difference, okay. But here's the thing, though. Listen, we're n none of us are saying that Eric Dyer's a bad player. We're not saying that. But what no. we're saying is the job that he's going to have to do for Bayern, he's not capable of doing it. You know, when he played centre-back for Tottenham, he was playing in a team that were defensive, so he had people around him. So the issue of getting around and, and having a change of pace doesn't come into it that much under Conte and Mourinho because he's got players around him. Seeing when he stepped into midfield, you know, Spurs under Conte and Mourinho were, were a defensive team that, that, that bro broke on teams, which again meant they had players around them. You go to Bayern Munich, they play open attacking football, they're going at the opposition, which means there's more space. And he can't cover that space. It's not that he's not a good football player, he is, but he can't cover that space, which is why we're all surprised that he's going to buy him music. Except, but it's not like, I, I, I don't want to harp on about this, but it, I get why Postacoglu, and at the start of the season, we looked at it and went, right, why, why is Van de Ven coming in? Because they leave their centre-halves two on two. Yep. You've seen where the, most people watch them know where their full-backs go. go. They go push up really high and sometimes into midfield. So they leave themselves two and two at the back. Romero, Van de Ven, they're both pretty quick. Certainly Van de Ven is. And... So I can understand Postacoglu not seeing Dyer as a fit there. But Stevie mentioned the managers that he played under before. Mourinho, 
and Conte being the two high-profile defensive coaches. He wasn't exactly playing great, even when Spurs were defending as deep as they were. Every time I watched him, I always felt Eric Dyer had some sort of mistake in him. I would never describe him, certainly not in recent years, as a solid uh, defender. So this is, <laughs> this, is, this is left field. This is Kai Havertz, the Arsenal 70 million. This is, this is where the hell is he going to fit in? Well, makes Kai How Havertz is this going to go? Now, when he's watching the Bundesliga and he sees Nicolas Sula, when he saw Nicolas Sula playing for Bayern Munich and now at Dortmund, when he saw the likes of Mats Hummels and others struggling to get around, he couldn't believe it. Look at the problems, the pace. So I just, unless somebody's thrown us a curveball here with this one, I, I just don't. All right, let's, let's let Nadem finish his earlier point, though, because he's the only one who isn't baffled. But it is five million compared to the amounts that we're talking about yeah, for 500,000, it wouldn't matter. It's still baffling at a fiver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, I get it. I get it. We think, people think it's a terrible move, but I think I'm just going to wait and see. I don't believe he's going to be a starter straight away, and there must be a reason why Tuchel's decided he needs him now and needs him in January. You know, so I'm not as down on it. And I think when we talk about Spurs and how bad they've looked at certain points, I don't think there are many people who've played in, in the Spurs back four, except for this season over the last few years, who would say it's been fantastic for them. You know, they've had so many issues. People have made mistakes. They've been caught exposed. They've looked cumbersome, whatever we want to say. But I'm sure that there is something that's going to be in there. And I think when he goes to Bayern Munich, no, he doesn't feel like he's a Bayern Munich player. But again, I think he will offer something to the side because otherwise Tuchel could have stopped it. The owners and stuff could have stopped it, like perhaps they did with Palina in August. But there's, there's going to be something there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see. I'm surprised it's happened. But then for that amount of money, it's, from, it's 2024. So that itself is a, is, is a bargain, is it not? Yeah. But I think if there was any... And, and we have talked way too long about Eric Dyer. But <laughs> if there was any uh, solidity yeah. about his play... Surely he'd be featuring even within the England squad. Right, well, let's see how solid the, the move turns out to be as well. Obviously, we'll give it a few days, but no doubt it'll be back up. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. 
Okay, there's a lot to talk about, as we say, though, with FA Cup action. And uh, it got underway with that third-round clash between Crystal Palace and Everton. However, that was overshadowed by Dominic Calvert-Lewin's red card. Everton manager Sean Dyche said VAR is beginning to test his patience. If you slow anything down of that nature, it's going to look a lot worse. Live, when you see it live, I've seen it both, of course. It doesn't look that bad. You slow it down and it's, a, it's high, but there's minimal contact. You, you know, the player, and I know you can't judge a player, but you know, it's certainly not that type of player, that's for sure. Um, and then you go, right, OK, live, the ref gives nothing, let's go and blow. And then, of course, it's pulled back. And then you go, right, let's start slowing it down. Do you think there's a pressure on referees as well when they go over? They're called over to look at the screen. Oh, don't, 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 don't even. Don't even. I have no clue what that's there for. Every fan, I hope, I hope I'm not just speaking myself, there must be every fan out there going, what is the point? We all know the outcome. The outcome is going to be they agree with everything they've been told. Unless someone can tell me 10 instances that aren't, I, I can't hardly, in fact, I can't think of one. I don't know what the stats are. Some of you guys are working out, someone will. But the chance of, a, of something getting turned over are minuscule. So why didn't bother? If I was a fan guy, oh, we know what's going to happen. Can we just get on with the game? Everton are appealing. Obviously, we had a big chat about this on yesterday's show as well, Naden. But where do you stand on it? Yeah, to be honest, as I saw the replays back, I thought, well, that's probably not a red card for me. But when the referee is standing at the monitor, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting situation because he's been sent there because that group of, the, of officials in that booth believe that the referee's made a clear and obvious error. So I think if they're going to go over, I think this is the perspective which I, which I think at times we forget. Like that's a refereeing team in the same way the central referee and the two assistants and the four official work together to make the decisions together. I think it would be very hard for them to say, well, no, I think you're wrong again. Like that sort of dis dispute within the group doesn't really work out very often. Like even in today's game, there was a point where a tackle was made and I think there was a yellow card given to a Burnley player, but the referee played on for another 10, 15 seconds. But that means the decision was made by the fourth official telling the referee that this has just happened and this should be a yellow card. So I think that sort of unity as such means that that's why they don't overturn decisions. But I think it was at the World Cup last year where there were times, I believe, when they went to the monitor. Maybe it was, I think it was African, AFCON a couple of years ago. They went to the monitor, they looked and decided whether they believed in it or not. But ultimately, if you are being sent to the monitors, because they, they believe there's been a clear and obvious error. And we don't like the decisions. I thought it was very, very soft yesterday. I thought there was hardly any contact as such. But from when someone's going over, like what situation does it, does it put you in where people are just disagreeing with each other in real time? And that's what they're going to continue to do. And even though the decision, as I say, felt very wrong to us, that's the way it's, it's almost inevitable. That's how it's going to finish. I think we've got to the point stage that I think we all dreaded and most of us in the show if not everybody is an advocate of VAR for you know not in the the manic crowd that says let's go back to the naked eye for everything was wasn't sport so much more fun then when we got all these decisions wrong but I think we're at we've gone past the stage it's only my opinion that we're taking it too far uh, the whole thing the whole worry about the technology to start with was the re-refereeing of the game in its totality. And I think we're, we're, we're slowly getting there, if not already arrived. And I'm, I'm a great proponent now, having, having watched all these decisions and, 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 and the re-refereeing of the, of the game, is that I would prefer to see it where, between the penalty boxes, basically the referee and his assistant refereed the game. Right? What are you pulling a face for? 
It was quite the face as well. well. Quite a face. You must, you'd sum up your no, I, I, just, I think we're arguing about the wrong thing. I think we've got to come. We've got to realise that what is given and what's not given now is a red card. We can sit here and argue whether we think it's a red card or not, or we can sit here and talk about whether we think VAR should be doing this or doing that. But the fact is, in today's game, that's a red card. For so whether what? We, whether we, what for that that challenge because because he caught him minimally. Uh, and, and certainly in my day, in your day, that was... Hold that, on, that probably you actually think that's a red card? If you listen to what I said, no. I said in today's game, that's a red card. They're it's not, given, but it's they're not. They're given that as a... Well, oh. they just gave a red card. It doesn't mean it's right. I know, I'm, I'm not... I don't think he should have been sent off either. I'm just saying that in today's game, we need to get over the fact that there are certain things that they're going to give us red and then things they're not, and that's one of them. No, I think they're re-refereeing the game too much. I, I, uh -huh. I honestly think, I honestly think VR should should get involved in an instance in the box uh, and only uh, penalty kicks, uh, goals. Automated offside should come in to stop all the flaffering around, but then the referee gets a help for the key decisions. Between the rest of the pitch, he referees that game as he would normally with his instinct. The only time then for me that VAR would get involved if there was an off-the-ball incident of violent conduct behind the referee's back and he doesn't see it, somebody gets a punch or an elbow off the ball, VAR calls him in and says, listen, violent conduct, this guy has to go. But re-refereeing these decisions that the referee, I think, got right first time around, and as they said to Deitch in the interview, Pressurised when they go to the monitor because Joe Bloggs up there thinks it was a red card. Now he goes over, so he's in a conundrum. I think this is continuous re-refereeing in the middle of a park or outside the penalty area where there's no need. There's, uh, there's generally no need for it. It, it's need, it needs to be for key decisions. Penalty, and I'm not saying they're going to get all of them right, by the way, but penalties, you know, all the big decisions in the penalty areas, but the rest of the game, we cannot continue to keep going back and re-refereeing for these soft challenges that we saw from Calvert-Lewin. Such All a right. sensible argument. Very that, sensible. We've got to be sensible and keep Nadem safe. We're going to let him get home and get warm as well. Because, oh, uh, I'm not yeah. going home tonight at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us, Nadem. We know we've got a busy weekend ahead, so we'll speak to you again soon. Be sure to be with us all weekend. We've got plenty Everyone. of... Uh, is, it, is it the weekend even? I've forgotten what day it is. Friday. It's Friday, yes. Be sure to be with us all weekend. <laughs> we've got loads of FA Cup action coming up for you and, of course, loads of chat about it on ESPN FC. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. A reminder that Barcelona got a late win away to Las Palmas yesterday thanks to an Ilkay Gundogan penalty in the 93rd minute. Very much struggle to create chances in that game. Anyway, Arsid Lowe spoke to Xavi afterwards. Here's what he had to say. You said after the previous game before Christmas that at halftime you had to have words, you had to say things to players. Did you have the same situation today? Did you have to? Did you have to really kind of really have words with them at halftime to, to get that reaction in the second half? Yes, yes. But I think uh, we missed in the first uh, half the last pass, the last pass, the defensive line of. Uh, of Las Palmas was in the half pitch, so it's just quality. We needed quality in the second half. Uh, we, fo we found uh, quality, we found the last pass, the more quality, so um, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time, but I think uh, we create and we play much better in the second half. Dur during the first half, one of the, one of the gestures that I saw you repeat often was that, that little ball in behind because they were playing so high and it, it, it seemed like you wanted that pass to be played and you kept asking for it and kept asking for it and it just never quite happened. And it, it was my quality when I was a, a player. And uh, yes, it was difficult for me today to understand that the, the pass was not good. But okay, uh, in, the, in the middle of the, of the game, in the, half, in the half time, I say to them, calm, calm, that uh, we will win this game. We will try and we will find the, the pass, uh, but calm, calm, calm. So it's just this. We needed calm and, and we found the calm. That's a little bit of a continuation of what we were talking about with Vincent Company it's, earlier, right? Yeah. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought, you know... Until I mean, he's still saying, and it's understandable, that was his quality. And Stevie, now he's a manager, he's seeing that it's not just as easy to expect of your players what you could do when you were playing. Yeah, but I, I don't... I think the problem with Barcelona is as experienced as the players as they have on the field, and I'm thinking of people like De Jong, particularly in the middle <laughs> of the park. The, the, right now, they're struggling so badly that they've got a complete lack of composure. You know, when you're lacking the composure and you're lacking the calmness to actually get your head up and look around and see what's going on, you know, somebody like De Jong and Gundogan, they should be able to get their head up and, and see what Xavi's seeing. Seeing that the, the, the back line's far too high, that all it needs is a little ball in behind. And even putting a ball in behind to try and push them further back to give yourself more space. I think it's more to do with where Barcelona are right now, that they're all struggling, uh, and there's not a, it doesn't seem like there's anybody on the field who can calm things down, get the composure, and actually figure out what's going on and how they should go about getting into the opposition. But it does happen, doesn't it, where a player who was a very talented top player then becomes a manager and sees it a little yeah, bit differently. I, I, I think there's a frustration there, but I think he delivered it pretty decently. It wasn't a, there wasn't an arrogance about, listen, if I was in the field, I would have been... Because as Stephen <laughs> mentioned, you know, they've got quality players that should be spotting. If somebody's got a highlight, it's like... It's like it's like when Chelsea were playing Tottenham uh, a few weeks ago and Tottenham were down to nine men playing this unbelievable high line and the, the Chelsea front guys kept trying to spin in behind and getting cut offside. It's common knowledge. What you need is midfield runners from deep, right? You've got yeah, to figure that out yourself. And so I think there is a frustration there. I don't think he was arrogant in how 
he delivered it. But it did take me back, and we were talking to to Glenn Hoddle, who I worked under as player manager, and Glenn was slightly different, and I wouldn't call him arrogant, but he certainly, his frustrations would boil over, and he would step on a training ground and go, right, if nobody can pick out the striker, I'll do it. You know, one of those. And that, and that did not go down well uh, uh, within the training ground. Dennis Wise and a couple of others murmuring under their breath some words that I won't repeat. Uh, but I think you can sense a manager's frustration sometimes, but I think it's how you deliver it. And I think he wasn't over the top there, Chavi. But trust me, this winter break, as short as it was, does not seem to have been the medicine that Barcelona... Yes, three points, but the performance is once again indicative of how they finished for a long period up until uh, the winter break. They're just not and have not played well. Frank, you've been nodding along with the guys' points here. Well, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I didn't hear your, your, your question, Kay, but I, what I want to say about that is uh, when he say that, he's not being arrogant. He, he sees, as Stevie and Craig mentioned, he sees everything and he sees the game. And when he was on the field, he was seeing the strikers and the midfielders watching the defense and going behind the defense and being clever enough. Yesterday, the first, especially the first half, Everybody, Lewandowski, um, uh, Ferran, or, or Onraisa Rafinha, were asking the ball in their feet, where they should have run, and I played with Viali. And Viali was really an expert on that. And he was running alongside the defense, be, waiting for me to give the ball behind, and then going behind the defense. But it was, we had that feeling. And Ms. Xavi knows that when he played with uh, Ronaldo, the, the, what we call the, the real Ronaldo, he knew exactly what was his run. Yesterday, we had no runs except uh, Sergio Roberto was going and he went for the first half, he almost scored the goal. But that's also what you feel and what you, what you feel when you have the ball and what you feel about your teammates. And Xavi was thinking that because everybody was in the same harmony. They were dancing the same dance, which is not the case right now. They're all playing something different. They don't understand each other. They don't play together. Uh, Vita Roque came in in this game, the 18-year-old, obviously being registered with Barcelona now. He came in in the 78th minute when they were still at 1-1. Were you surprised to see him when we did, Craig? Obviously, we know the exciting talent that he is. Well, I think it's needs must, isn't it? And that's, the, the, that's kind of where we are. It is needs, needs must for them, so no. If the, if, if the players on the field were doing their bit, then he wouldn't have come on. And that, that's the bottom line. You don't make substitutions generally, particularly when you're trying to win the game. You're not looking to bring on some kid, you know, just to give him 10 minutes for experience when you need to win the game. You're bringing him on because you've gotten to a stage where, you know what, I may as well bring him on. He might add something because the guy on the field right now isn't doing it. That's why he so came So if on. the goals start coming, might he be able in, to phase a Robert Lewandowski out? Well, that's going to be a big call for Jeff. <laughs> well, it, it's a question. It's a question that's out there. It's a, it's well, a thought among some know, of the Barcelona fans. Wow. Well, I tell you something, there has been more questions in the first six months of the season about Lewandowski's form, his fitness, his sharpness, his age, whether he can give the quota of goals. There's been more questions in Spain in six months for Robert Lewandowski than he probably had in five seasons. <laughs> at least five seasons, maybe more, at Bayern Munich. And the, uh, he's not played well. 
He hasn't. He's been, and he was very vocal about that. But that was early in the season. Then he had an injury. He was out the side. He thought, right, he's going to come back, get a run of games. But even in the games that, that Bassa struggled, but they created chances, he, he was wasteful in the final third. And it was just very, very unlike him. And I think there is a big question now. Is, is he going to get back to somewhere close to where he was? Or is it going to become a point where uh, if Girona keep winning... If Real Madrid keep winning and Xavi's under pressure and he's not scoring, what does he do? Because his job's going to be on the line. There's no doubt about it. He's got a big game in the Champions League. He's got Napoli. It's going to be an open game. At this moment in time, they don't look like they're going to win La Liga. And his main striker is struggling. And that's a big, big problem for him. So will he have the gumption to leave him out? I don't know. Could be the biggest decision of his managerial career. We'll find out. I think for Lewandowski, though, he's probably a bit fortunate that, yes, his form's not great, but the rest of the team's struggling as well. So it doesn't... It's not quite... If it was, this team's playing great and we can't score a goal, and Lewandowski, game after game after game, is missing chances, that's a completely different ball game. I think right now the fact that the whole team's struggling makes it easier for Xavi just to keep sticking Lewandowski on the field, no question. So obviously it's seven points now between Barcelona and the top two of Real Madrid and Girona, which is why it was such a vital win, as Mundo Deportivo say here. Uh, also more reaction up in Catalonia saying that hanging on basically to La Liga because seven points is much better than having to make up than ten points on this top two right now, especially with the way we're seeing Girona playing level on points at the top of the table with Real Madrid. I know that you guys were watching this game. I know, Frank, that you have had a look at Girona yourself as well. And uh, they really are quite a sight to behold when you watch this team play and they're not there by accident. Oh, no, of course not. And they completely deserve to be there. The way they play, uh, the involvement into the game, and uh, what the coach offers to the players and to, to us, uh, it's entertaining. And they, they deserve that. And we, we thought after that little break, you know, of the, the winter break, that maybe it could be a big turn and they play against Atletico uh, straight after. And they scored, and they scored, and they scored four times, and they won at the last minute. So it shows, it, shows, it shows characters, it shows talents. How long are they going to last? I don't know. That nobody can, uh, can, 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 can know exactly. But at the end of the day, they're so, they're so good. They're so good for it that I want to believe that there is a fairy tale and maybe they can surprise the, the world and maybe win the La Liga. And now the magic does continue here. And I know you've been a big fan of the Ange Postacoglu, number yeah. one member of the fan club. Michelle. Uh, but yeah, also, Michelle, you've been putting it out. You've even been tweeting about Girona, Craig. That's how far it's gone this season for well, you. that's how many days off I've had. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, how, yeah. that's how little golf it is. But listen, you know, you know, Simeone, you know, when he talks about and looks at defending here, I think Koki was involved again. Koki just had, for a guy who's usually so super solid, had one of those... Uh, nights to, to forget but it actually wasn't Girona's far from one of their best performances go 3-1 up then you know back to 3-2 Morata gets it to 3-3 but it's offside so you go out in the second half and then Atleti first 10-15 minutes in particular just pummeled them in the start of the second half but they hung in there they hung in there and they continued to play some good stuff and they got stronger and they grew back into it and obviously they, they, they got the winner in the end but uh, 
But yeah, it's just a great story. You know, Dovkit up front, the big Ukrainian. Then Stoani comes on, usually off the bench when everybody's been roughed up and tired. And at the back, you know, you're, do you're doing this with Daily Blind and Eric Garcia, who yeah. is not fancied by anybody. Yeah. You know, and that's... <laughs> yeah. Daily Blind is grabbing you a goal as well in some of these games. Daily <laughs> Blind, is, his hair gets further back during the game. <laughs> that's how old he is. Stevie, have you enjoyed watching them? Do you know, I think the biggest thing for me is how free they play. You know, I guess the question coming back off the break was, you know, are they going to think about the offers they've had for certain players? Are they going to start thinking about winning the league? Well, clearly, they just went out and played again. Not ideal that you lose three at home, but when you can score four, who cares? So they're still playing with a freedom. And, and if they continue to do that and don't think about winning the league, which is going to be harder the longer or the closer it gets, then if they can, if they can just keep off of that, then they've got a chance. They've possibly just put... Uh, now, I know Bass have got a game in hand, uh, but I can't remember on that graphic. Atleti don't, do they? They're ten, I believe they're 10 points. Somebody's going to tell me now. Uh, no, everybody's level now yeah. on games. Yeah, I think they might have been mistaken, one of them. It's... it's, it's Atleti are now 10 points off the lead. Yes. That's, that's how big that was. You know, not only winning the game, mm -hmm. but Atleti who struggled just going into the, uh, into the winter break with a couple of uh, bad results coming out of it with this one I mean 10 points is not ungettable for them but they're going to have to put a hell of a run together and you know what Real Madrid are not playing great either Barca are not playing great Real Madrid are not playing great they've got injuries but as Stevie said when it comes to that big moment when people really start talking and you know we, we always mention Leicester because Leicester yeah. was the 2016 mm -hmm. test when they went to the Etihad and, 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 and club Man City you went wow this, this could last but there's still a lot of hurdles to go over there's a lot of hurdles for, for, for Girona, but, but boy, aren't they just enjoyable to watch? Yeah, well, we're at the halfway point in the season now, so we'll see if it can continue into the second half of the season. And we will see if Sevilla can pick up their form. There is a lot of frustration there at the moment, and it all boiled over yesterday in the post-match interview with Sergio Ramos. Seguir trabajando para intentar... Ten un poco de respeto que estamos hablando, ten un poco de respeto a la gente y al escudo, respeta a la gente, estamos hablando, pues muy bien, pues respeta a la gente, respeta a la gente y cállate ya, anda. Hay que aguantar de todo, pero bueno, lo que decía, ¿no? Es la situación, entendemos la frustración de la gente porque es normal, mucho tiempo sin, sin ganar, sin darle una alegría y es lo que tiene, ¿no? So that's how things are looking right now, obviously. Was I was wondering Stevie's if that was Stevie in the stands. I didn't see him yesterday. I thought, was that Stevie in the stands there? Obviously, he's never been your favourite player. Stevie never been world-class, he was shouting from the stands. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to get... I have to be careful here, because we've, we've got into this before, although it was a little bit one-sided that day, I have to say. What do you make of moments like this when you see Sergio Ramos with the stature that he has as a player saying what he's saying here and showing this passion? I don't have a problem with what Ramos said. Uh, at the same time, you cannot have a problem with the fans either. They're watching the team getting beat game after game after game, poor performances. So what do you expect them to do? They're going to voice the frustration. So it, it goes with the territory. Listen, when you're winning and everybody's patting you on the back and they're all cheering your name and they're all clapping you, then you take it fine. But you know what? When the other side of the coin comes along, you have to be able to take it as well. Now, as I said, I don't have a problem with what he said, but he has to understand. Goes with the territory. So was it a yellow or a red? 
<laughs> Sergio. Yellow. You want to add to his discipline. Well, red, I'm sorry, Stevie. It's got to be a Stevie. Red. He, <laughs> yeah. I think I think he under he, he understood and he accepted the the yeah. frustration because he said after after that he said it, it's our fault it's uh, we have to understand the the fans frustration he said it straight after he was yelling at the fans just to shut up because he was talking but he completely went for what the fans were saying that it was their fault that they had to uh, to restructure themselves and uh, and he understood completely understood the the fans frustration so I think it was. Yeah. As you said, it was it was good for him to them. react like that. Now they have to, I don't think, to do something about it. I don't think either of them are wrong. It just that's what happens when you lose football games, when you've got players that are passionate and fans that are passionate. I mean, we talked a lot about Eric Dyer in this show uh, uh, tonight at the start, probably way too much, but. It's kind of kindergarten stuff, isn't it? Because Eric Dyer, if you, you're talking about Eric Dyer, he ran into the crowd at Tottenham. I don't know how long Did ago. I, yeah. To, right. Yeah, right. And wanted to have a bit of fisticuffs with some people who were maybe getting too close to his family. So there's a there's a there's a, a do's and don'ts. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is just a little bit of verbals. And I think there's a frustration, as, as the guys have said on both sides, is that here we have a guy who's played at the top for 15 years, and he's not there anymore. And then when you're an ex when a team are struggling. They generally don't go after the younger players. It's the experienced ones that get it in the neck. And he's the most experienced of the lot. And he's from the area as well, so obviously. I'm just laughing that you brought up Eric Dyer again, even though we've already oh, talked about him. Well, like I can just say Eric Dyer. Jumped and, in he the said, and he said we're talking about him too much. He jumped in the crowd. Yeah. There's more Spanish football coming up for you. It's a round of 32 in the Copa del Rey. All of these games, including Sevilla, away to Racing Ferrol. We'll see how that one turns out for them. You'll be able to do so right here on ESPN+. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Reports are that Fernando Diniz has been sacked as Brazil manager and we know that Carlo Ancelotti is staying where he is at Real Madrid right now. So that's how things are looking in common ball qualifying right now Talking and in Mourinho, South America it? too. Well, we'll keep it around. Yeah, what about Eric Dyer? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. well, if he can get a move to Bayern, he can become Brazil. More talk about this over on our YouTube channel. Be sure to check it out on ESPN FC. It is an all-MLS roster for the U.S. men's national team January camp, an all-MLS affair. 
Just to look at some of the names on there, Shaq Moore, the only player on the roster who was in World Cup 2022. Also, Miles Robinson in there, fresh from his move to Cincinnati. Most experienced player with 27 caps at this stage in that squad. The boys will be talking about it all on Football Americas on ESPN+. Plus. I wonder if Eric Dyer comes up. Well, we'll be a far, come on. <laughs> Well, there's what, no need, danger of that, is I'd, there? I'd, I'd need Wikipedia for that US squad. <laughs> Holy smokes. Well, it's hey. a good job that we've got Football Americas, isn't it? Yeah. Stick I around, know. extra time coming up. Eric, we love you. Welcome into Eric Dyer FC. I'm in extra time. Eric. We've been a lot of chat about Eric Dyer today. Frank LeBoff <laughs> is with us, Craig and Stevie in the studio alongside myself, Kay Murray. Uh, let's get straight into it, shall we? Some moves over the years, I can't remember off the top of my head, but sometimes when players move, you go, wow. And I know Eric Dyer hasn't moved yet, <laughs> all the talk, but sometimes when a player moves to a club, you just go, how the hell's that come about, you know what I mean? And this could be one of those. Aye. It could be up there. Could be. We could check it to do a top 10 of Holy smokes, how the hell did that happen, transfers? If I could only get him to come here. Yeah, well, not at the moment. He's off in Trinidad. Craig. So he's, yeah, he's enjoying Craig, it. Don't, don't, on, don't, Frank. don't you wanna don't you wanna look sometimes sometimes because it's crazy to see that's coming, don't you wanna see where which agents Dyer has and if there is any kind of relationship between some other players or some other coaches because sometimes you can be surprised, you know, that, uh, it could be something in between, you know, and not only football and quality. Yeah. <laughs> no more. Yeah. No more. Yeah. Without saying it, say it. But All right. Eric Dyer. No more. Don't even bring it up. Right. You're the one who's done so. No, I know we keep you're talking about it. You're the only one that's done that. <laughs> I'm not going to be. Eric Dyer. Who else has mentioned his name? Who? <laughs> you shall not be named. All right. Should Tottenham prioritise trying to win the FA Cup this year, Frank? Well, I need Eric for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Anne just said they don't need him. Uh, Anne's not always wrong. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I think, yeah, it's always nice to, uh, to try to, to get a silverware. I don't think Tottenham's going to win the Premier League, but I think. For Tottenham, it would be good to finish in the first four. Uh, Champions League is vital for those big clubs. And uh, yes, it's nice to win the FA Cup, but it's it's a bonus for me. Uh, when you're a big club like Spurs, and you know that uh, it's a big fight, getting in the first four, it's always very important. Any thoughts, guys? It should be. A, it shouldn't be the be the D priority, but it should it should be a priority. High on the list of Listen, priorities. You've got, you got Man City. After getting rid of Eric Man City, I go the best team in, in the land. They, they go out and try and win it. So Tottenham absolutely should be playing the first team and trying to win it. Are Pedro Porro and Destiny Udogi the best fullback pairing in Europe so far this season? Oh, that's a bit strange. That's a bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> Did our producer I mean, send I, that in? Yeah, probably. It had to be. <laughs> I have, I, you know, Udogi's been a surprise, right? Yeah. Porro's played better than. I thought he would, and the doggy's been a big surprise. You know, Italian international these days. Uh, still young, strong, quick, decent on the ball, good on the ball, gets forward. I think he's got, yeah, he's been a big surprise. So I don't, let's just have a quick think. No. No, let's not. No. All right. For all, and I'll start with you, Frank. Where's the smallest stadium you've ever had to play at during your playing days in the FA Cup?
I think it was when we played against Oxford. Um, on top of it, the, the stadium was not ever even. It was a little bit like that, <laughs> and uh, that was quite funny. But uh, yeah, the, um, that was very small. But I, in France, I played on smaller, smaller stadium than uh, Oxford. But Oxford City uh, was, yeah, very special. I played there, yeah, Oxford, Oxford, Oxford United, yeah. the Manor Grand. You used to did have the slope on it when you played there? Correct. There was slope. Weird. I tell you, you know the worst place? Slope up, is it Barnet? <laughs> That's on a slope. Newcastle's got a slope as well, you know. Has they've, got, it? They've, they've all got rid of them. They've all got... Because they have. Newcastle haven't. They have. they have. I bet you have. How much? I bet you 20 bucks. You've got rid of the slope. How are we going to find out? It's dead easy. I'll find it. Don't worry no, about it. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. I'll you'll, find it. Because you'll just come back and say <laughs> they've got rid of the slope. No, no I will. Right. I'm telling you. Twenty bucks. All these teams. All these teams have got rid of the slope. Twenty bucks. Right. Right. No chance. <laughs> There's no chance. You watch Newcastle with the. You oh, see those we games. have a new bet for the new year. I love it. I know it's not the bet I expected either. Oldham was probably what. The smallest team we played ever was York City. I think they were in the second division at the time. But the worst place, smallest, Oldham Athletic was horrible to play at. Horrible. Why don't we ring Shaka now in Trinidad live? He's not answering his phone, is he? I gave him a ring now and said, let's be honest. Why would he? Do you think he'd know? Don't be stupid. Well, he's the mayor of Newcastle. I'll phone John Carver, right? I'm not taking your. I'm not taking your word. No chance. New I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You, you just want the You find bucks. out. No, I'm. I'll, I'm you find out. Shaka will find out. He's no, honest. Shaka's not going to know. I'll find out. <clears throat> We're doing Newcastle tomorrow, right? Yeah, but. So I want somebody on site. Yeah, they're away from. But home. they're away from home, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's people from Newcastle. They will ask. We get a replay. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, we could ask some people there. Yeah, yeah. Did you get rid of the slope? Yeah. Well, we'll f I'm sure we'll have a lot of responses to that anyway. Okay. Um, why should Real Madrid sign Mbappe? They need a number nine. He's a left winger, left forward, and he needs a striker or pivot player to play along with. Real Madrid already has Vinny Jr. on left wing, second best. It makes sense to divert their attention to Haaland. Is there a secret release clause? Why should Real Madrid sign Mbappe, basically, oh. Frank? Uh, it's true. That's a good question. And I always wonder why they needed uh, Mbappe, because Mbappe's best position is on the left side and they already have Vinicius Junior. And uh, remember that when, uh, like two years ago, he, he said he didn't want to play at front as a striker. He didn't like it. So why do you will... Uh, why should he change his mind, you know, playing for Real Madrid? So it's a real good question. But for Real Madrid point of view, when you can have the chance to have Mbappe alongside Vinicius Junior, I mean, would you say no? I don't think so. It's a, it's a very nice opportunity to have the two talented players at front. For all, with the Tyneweir derby this weekend, Sunderland against Newcastle, was there a time when you played in a heated derby in a cup match because the other club was in a different division? This is the first time in seven years these two have faced one another. Oh. No. No. Obviously, you've played the local derbies yeah. when you're in the uh, same division. Uh, Frank? Yeah, that's a no. A heated derby when you're in different 
leagues, uh, different tiers? Yes, we played uh, in, in, in France, we played uh, Mulhouse against Strasbourg, which is like uh, Newcastle against Sunderland on the east side of France. And uh, we played in Mulhouse and uh, that, was, that was intense because uh, I think we won, but I'm not sure we easily won. And there were like one or two division uh, uh, difference. But uh, yeah, it's never easy because you can feel that uh, the other club, the smaller, called smaller club, um, wants to uh, to give it uh, the game of their lives. So it's never it's never easy. For Stevie, if the right international job approached you, would you take it? With technology, you can scout many players via live streaming. You know? No. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be my sister. No. Yeah, there you go. No, oh, exactly. How much? Exactly. <laughs> the Brazil job could be going. Ancelotti's not going to take oh, it. No. You, you won't fancy that. A little bit of yeah. samba. No. Why is that again? Branching around in Brazil. Shows a bit of samba. We've actually done it before. Doesn't speak Portuguese. Yeah. No, no, thanks. I get. Listen, I get angry at the drop of your heart now. Imagine sitting on the sideline. That, that might be what they need. Imagine sitting on the sideline. <laughs> oh my goodness, no chance. No thanks. Not even Brazil. Not even Brazil? No, not even Brazil. Oh gosh. Is there anything that would entice you away from this lovely you pair? <laughs> okay, I think that's it. That'll do it. We've Top got an early start tomorrow uh, anyway. Well, I was getting a bit worried about time tonight because somebody was droning on about Eric Dyer. I wonder who that would be. On the show. We'll be back tomorrow to see all over again. See you the then. Scottish world. And go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.